Hey, it's Jonathan Brocious. Let's pray together today. Oh Lord, for David's sake, remember all his strenuous effort and how he made a vow to the Lord and swore an oath to the powerful one of Jacob. Psalm 132, 1 and 2. Romance is hard. That's all there is to it. It's hard and difficult. There are so many traps to avoid, and rarely can you dance past every trap unscathed. This is why it's the subject of almost every sitcom episode ever written. It starts with women's desire to be romanced. They want sweet gifts, notes, and acts of service and kindness. Men generally want to please their wives. The plot gets tough really quickly, however, because men don't know what their wives want. They don't know if the wife would rather have some chocolate or flowers. They don't know if they'd want dinner at a nice restaurant or a nice relaxing home-cooked meal. The whole issue could be cleared up with some simple communication. Early in my marriage, I couldn't figure out why a quick conversation wouldn't clear this whole matter up. All I'd need was a spreadsheet of my wife's needs and how often they needed to be fulfilled. If she could just tell me how often she wanted flowers and which types were her favorite, then I'd faithfully do that for eternity. If she wanted flowers once a week, I'd set up 52 deliveries for the next year immediately. I love her. I want her to be happy. I want to be the one that makes her happy. So just tell me how to do that. But after 14 and a half years of marriage, I'm starting to understand the issue. If Johanna has to tell me what to get and when to get it and what to do and when to do it, it ruins the whole thing for her. All the women reading and hearing this right now are shaking their heads, wondering why it took me 14 years to figure this out. I don't know why it took that long, but it did, okay? Johanna's an amazing person. She's put up with me for a long time. Here's what's finally beginning to sink through my rather thick skull. Women don't really care about flowers. They don't really need chocolate, even though they say it all the time. They're much deeper and more complex than that. It's not like they're just simple little critters that just need a treat and then they're filled with joy. Flowers are pretty and chocolate tastes good, but it takes more than a pretty view or a yummy treat to make them happy. The reason that flowers and chocolates make our wives happy is because of the thought and the intention that they communicate. When I come home with a bouquet of flowers, it tells Johanna, I was just going through my day and suddenly was filled with love and appreciation for you. So I went out of my way and purchased these. If Johanna tells me when she needs flowers, then that whole process of me thinking about her being filled with love and appreciation and and making a choice myself to do that action, that process never gets to happen. Johanna knows that I love her. She knows that I want to make her happy. But what she doesn't know and what she's always asking and wondering is whether or not I'm thinking about her. When I get her flowers, it answers that question with a very loud yes. The problem is that thinking of another person voluntarily is hard work. Our own needs and ideas and agendas are so loud that they crowd out the thoughts of what another person might need. This is why we men often just do the bare minimum needed to keep our wives happy. It's just so much work to be actively thinking about them and their needs. In Psalm 132, the author is referring to a story from Israel's history. David is king over Israel. He's accomplished something that has not happened yet in Israel's history. He conquered all their enemies. We read that and don't grasp the gravity of what had just happened. This is a big deal. This means that an 800-year-old promise, a promise four times older than our country, for Israel to own the land is finally true. 
Israel has their land and they own it completely. David realizes what a big moment this is, and in his thankfulness to God, he notices something. God's house and center of worship is still the tent that Moses built. But David lives in a massive, permanent cedar palace. He realizes that something's wrong. So he decides to build a home for God. The prophet Nathan tells him it's a good idea. But then God gives a message to Nathan that night. God is thrilled. God makes the point that he'd never even asked for a house. The tent was what God had commanded. And so that's what all the leaders did. Up until this moment, no one had thought that maybe a temple or a permanent house would be a good thing, but David had thought of it all on his own. This moves God to make David some promises of his own. Instead of having David build the house, God will have David's son build the house. This is great news because it means that David will get to have his son succeed him, not something that happened for all kings. Also, God promises that David will have an heir on the throne of Israel forever. This is a promise that was fulfilled in Jesus. David is blown away by the kindness of God, and 2 Samuel 7 ends with a huge paragraph of David's prayer of praise. Psalm 132 is a song that celebrates this whole story. And the crux of the story is that David thought to do something for God all on his own. I don't think this happens too often. Too many of us view God as someone to be feared and someone to be obeyed, which is accurate. God says something and we realize that we must do it. But how often do we take it beyond that? How often do we move past simple obedience and attempting to fulfill the minimum requirements? How often do we ask ourselves the question, what can I do to please God? How can I actively honor him? How can I move past just the basics of what he's asked me to do? Just like our wives appreciate it when we think of them all on our own, and let's be honest, us men also like them to think of us, God appreciates it when we choose to move his direction without an order or command. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. I want to do what David did. I want to chase after you with my whole heart. I want to be a person that is actively thinking about how to please you and how to serve you. I don't want to be just doing the bare minimum to keep you happy. I want to be completely and totally devoted to you. A couple questions to close today. How do you view your actions towards God? Are you just doing the minimum to fulfill his orders or are you actively thinking about what a life of service to God would look like? And what's a way that you could show love and appreciation for God that goes above and beyond even what he's asked for? Thanks for joining me today. We'll see you next time.